going to start with some poetry today. This is Robert Frost, 1900s, the beginning of a line storm song. The line storm clouds fly tattered and swift. The road is forlorn all day, where a myriad snowy quartz stones lift and the hoofprints vanish away. The roadside flowers, too wet for the bee, expend their bloom in vain. Come over the hills and far with me and be my love in the rain. Here's another invitation poem. The Passionate Shepherd to His Love, Christopher Marlowe, sometime in the 1500s. Come, live with me and be my love, and we will all the pleasures prove that hills and valleys, dales and fields, woods or steepy mountain yields. And we will sit upon the rocks, seeing the shepherds feed their flocks by shallow rivers, to whose falls melodious birds sing madrigals. This is from Song of Songs, written sometime probably before 500 B.C. This is our Holy Scripture. My beloved speaks and says to me, Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. For now the winter is past, the rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth, the time of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree puts forth its figs, and the vines are in blossom. They give forth fragrance. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. Through the centuries, readers have appreciated and perhaps fantasized about poets' invitations to come away. And who doesn't dream from time to time about being invited to ignore our chores and other responsibilities and not to go away, but to come away. It's an enticement to be together with a mutual love, self-involved, worry-free, and at rest. Mark's gospel tells us early in chapter 6 that Jesus had sent his disciples out in pairs to heal and to cast out evil spirits. And after an interlude, they return, gather around Jesus, and tell, them all that, all, tell him all that they had done and taught. It was a successful experience for them, and they were rejoicing in all the good things that had taken place. Jesus, though, sees that they are tired and need to regain energy and strength. And so he says to them, come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. They're in the boat. They have a few minutes to rejuvenate away from the crowd, and they set sail toward another area of the Sea of Galilee. They may not have had too much time out on the shore because we have the image, too, of, of the boat out on the lake and then this crowd of people running along the shore to intercept wherever the boat landed. Well, 
You've never had your plans disrupted, have you? Well, lately for us at home, the disruption has been caused by an anxious dog. Other disruptions may be a sick parent, a trip to the emergency room, a rainy vacation at the beach, a tree down in your backyard, a flat tire. Our list of interruptions can go on and on. And we see how Jesus handles his We can't help but suspect that he needed rest, too, because also in Mark chapter 6, we have heard the story about John the Baptist's gruesome death, and so Jesus may be emotionally depleted from grief as well as physically exhausted from all these healings. One time, a man woke up in the hospital after an operation, and it was dark in the room. The blinds were shut, and the curtains were drawn, and the man was a little bit scared. He pressed the button to call the nurse, and when she responded, he said, why is it so dark in here? I want to see outside. And the nurse responded very compassionately. She said, yes, sir, I'll be right there. I drew the curtains because there's a terrible fire in the building next door, and I didn't want you to think the operation was a failure. I think, you know, when interruptions hit us, all of a sudden our world plunges from light into darkness. And so there's fear for us. There's the, the darkness of health problems, the darkness of frustrations, the darkness sometimes of relationships, the darkness of depression. All kinds of darkness are, are like those closed windows. And maybe we don't know what we'll see when we open them. Yet we crave the light. Jesus responds to the people living in the darkness of their problems. And um, he, he responds with the light of compassion. They express their needs to him and he responds. Several days ago there was an article in the Roanoke Times about doctors who volunteered doctors and other medical professionals who volunteered for a three-day program in Wise County to offer medical and dental and vision help to people who don't have insurance. Or maybe they did, but they probably wouldn't have wanted to wait in the long lines if they actually did. There were so many that came, hundreds, that some had to be put off to the next day. But they were there, they came, they were invited, and they came. And that's because the medical professionals went to them and then issued the invitation. Jesus, too, went to the people. He went to the people on the hillside, and he provided food for thousands from a small amount of bread and fish. He then went away by himself to pray and then reconnected with the disciples before they landed in Gennesaret. And there he provided healing for many more in the market areas of the towns and the villages, wherever people gathered to shop. That was where people gathered. That's where everyone gathered. And so that's where the sick people were taken. And Jesus met them there. Mark even tells us that those who touched the fringes of Jesus' cloak were healed. Jesus went to them and yet invited them at the same time. 
and he showed them compassion. Now, if we break down that word compassion, any ideas what it means? Com means what? With passion, suffering. With suffering, that's compassion. That's not pity, but that's a a sense, a, a connection that someone is with you in your suffering. Jesus didn't send money. He didn't send missionaries. He didn't send messengers. He himself went to the people. He suffered with them. Now, if we localize that, I think about the Samaritan Inn a block from us, that Jesus might stay outside the Samaritan Inn in the heat waiting for the homeless shelter to open. He might kneel beside our own beds when we are crying or when we are lonely and put a a hand on our shoulders and remind us of his loving presence. He might show us ways to avoid temptation when we have a good head start down that road with the compassion of a shepherd who loves his sheep, Jesus recognizes that they, we, have gone astray. Sometimes we don't have a map or a GPS to find our destination, much less the roads that we need to take to get there. We need Jesus. Jesus alone can show us the way. The movie Babette's Feast takes place in Denmark in the 19th century. Two sisters are carrying on their pastor father's sect after he dies. As the small congregation ages, they become cantankerous and hostile toward each other. And yet there's Babette. A French refugee from Paris is sent to the sisters, and she begs for a place to stay and to be of service. She's been with them for 14 years when the centennial of the deceased pastor's birth is almost at hand. The sisters are planning a very simple meal to celebrate with the small congregation, but Babette, who has had a windfall of money, asks to prepare a meal a real French dinner. And since she has never asked for anything in her 14 years of being with the sisters, they concur. Babette then sends to France for supplies such as a turtle for soup, quails, exquisite wines and champagne, and dishes and glass and silverware. She spends hours preparing the meal for a dozen people. Now, one of them is a relative of someone in the congregation, a visiting general. And he, and only he, had a memory of such delicacies. He told the group at one point that General Galifay, when he was in Paris one time, their host for the evening, explained that a certain chef where they were eating, had the ability to transform a dinner into a kind of love affair, a love affair that made no distinction between bodily appetite and spiritual appetite. Jesus Christ fills our spirits as delectably as a real French dinner 
gratifies one's appetite for good things. And you'd think that when Jesus compassionately invites us to come away with him, we would rush to join him. Do we? We rush everywhere else. But do we rush to a deserted place to spend time alone with Jesus? Do we rush into conversations with other followers that would help us to know him better? Do we rush to serve him in the homeless shelters and nursing homes? Can we admit, too, that we are like sheep without a shepherd and we need Jesus? We need him to call us away from the activities and the busyness that blind us from what is necessary. We need to find our fulfillment in him, not to avoid him with our busyness. If we involve ourselves in other activities, we need to find Jesus within them, in coaching other people, in listening to them, in feeding them, in parenting them, in helping them to deal with their own demons and not shying away from our own. Alan has well reminded us that we need to take those many vacations each day. Karen Marie Eust finds help in an 18th century spiritual director, Jean-Pierre de Cossade. He taught that God reveals God's self in each moment, but that Christians must learn to pay attention to God's presence and surrender themselves continually to God's will. Such surrender requires that Christians trust God to provide for all their needs, whether through times of spiritual retreat or through God's ministry during outward-directed activities. De Cossade writes, Everything turns to bread to nourish me, soap to wash me, fire to purify me, and a chisel to fashion me in the image of God. Grace supplies all my needs. Grace. Grace is undeserved, and grace is expansive, and it's unpredictable. But Jesus has enough grace to go around to each of us. Now, sometimes that means Jesus is working through us to share grace with other people. And sometimes that means Jesus is working through other people to share grace with us. We have the opportunity as we gather for worship to recommit ourselves to the memory that he fulfills our needs and to pay attention to how he shows compassion each day. And so think about for yourself, what if Jesus issued the invitation to you, come away with me? Where would you like him to take you? Perhaps more importantly, where would you like him, or where, where, where do you think he would like to take you?
where do you think he would like to take you? To a deserted place? Or out among a crowd in need of him too? I suspect it will be different for all of us. And yet we're all a congregation as well. We operate as one body of Christ. And so we think too about where Jesus invites us as Calvary Baptist Church. What does that mean? Where will we meet him? Let's pray. Holy Lord, we thank you for calling to us, inviting us, and loving us when we respond and when we don't. We pray for your forgiveness. We confess to you that we sometimes feel like sheep without a shepherd, and sometimes we don't feel it, and we still are. And so come to us, we pray. Come in us. Be our spirit and guide our actions and guide our rest. In your name we pray. Amen.